this is like comfort food to me, you know, coming back from the world tour and the, the team buses and the, the team managers and, and that whole game, right? Like this was like, kind of like coming back to my roots a little bit. And this is why I'm enjoying it so much. Um, and despite what you may be led to believe online, like I am not just trying to like, uh, sandbag races to to crush souls and win every bike race like <laughs> i like competing we got a number on our bike and you have to go stupidly hard to win a bike race and that's kind of the point but um at the same time like i'm there to to hang out with the masses and celebrate the bike and party so that's that's why i was there and that's what kind of i was really excited to see kind of happening at very roubaix KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor. And his brother, Brady. And on this episode, Brady and I, with a little help from Mr. Pete Stetna, talk all about the much-anticipated return of Barry Roubaix here in Michigan. Brady, welcome to Michigan. I've been here before, but thanks. This is not your first time in Michigan, <laughs> but welcome to uh, welcome back, I guess. I think this might be my first time graveling in Michigan. I think that's right. Gravel racing. Gravel racing. Gravel sure. racing. Yep. You've we've ridden gravel here before a couple years ago, but not like this. Not like this. Nope. Um, yeah, the Gibney brothers come together again this season for another. Uh, Epic gravel race. It continues to amaze me how even we are. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, we, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But um, I was excited to um, introduce or let Brady experience the Bear Bay with what I remembered it as being one of the best events and best races. And I was excited for him to experience that for himself. Um, Brady, uh, just real quick, positive, negative, thumbs up, thumbs down. How was your experience at Bear Bay? So I, I would even take a step back and talk about my experience for the weekend first. Um, you know, this is kind of the culmination of my year of training. This is the end of my season, or as you like to say, the last base ride before my Zwift season starts. Um, <laughs> Zwift training. My right? Zwift training, that's right. <laughs> um, but, you know, we got to ride bikes with our dad on Friday afternoon. Um, we got to do the race and experience all of that. Uh, we watched the Perry roubaix this morning and hung out. So it was just like a really fun bike-centric week. And, and even though I own a bike shop, it's far, uh, few and far between when I get to kind of have weekends like this. So it was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, and just on that real quick, like I was excited for you to experience the race and uh, what Barry roubaix has to offer in terms of the, like, the course conditions and all of that. But it was cool for you to meet uh, the spin crew that we hung out with for a long time, um, um, a bunch of my teammates and friends, 
and uh, and then a bunch of other people that put on the Barry Roubaix. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was cool to have you around. Definitely. And I think often I live vicariously through your stories and podcasts and adventures. Um, and I think what I would say is, you know, cycling is very coast centric. Uh, it seemingly all the good stuff is either on the East coast or the West coast. Do not, do not agree. And do not agree. I know that listening to your podcast and talking to you, all of the things that are happening in the Midwest, um, but to be able to experience it, come here and chat with Pete Stetna and chat with Alexi Vermeulen and chat with Eddie Anderson, all of these pros who came out to Midwest Michigan for a gravel race is just unbelievable and was really, really fun and was fun to see you in your element uh, throughout the whole thing. Thank you. And uh, speaking of Pete Stetna, we kind of get into the weeds a bit about our specific race, about the Psycho Killer 100, but let's first hear from Pete about his first Barry Roubaix experience. So, Pete, thank you for taking the time to talk. Um, I'm not really looking for a race recap of your Barry experience, but what I what I really would <laughs> like to, what I really would like to know is um, your general take on the event mm. leading up to the event, like what you experienced there. Barry is kind of a, a very special place for a lot of Michiganders, um, a very special mm. race for us, and there. We've seen over the years like a, a bunch of different pros of different levels come in and out, but I think gravel is at a very sp- special time right now, a specific right. time with um, people like you, people like Boswell, and it was so cool to see a few of you guys there. So yeah, tell us about your experience of Barry and uh, what you took from that. Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked it this way because... In all honesty, that's why I was there was to experience it. And cool. my race by was not anything to write home about anyway. So let's not talk about the race. <laughs> that wasn't uh, intentional, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it was um, you know, I I yeah, and, and I have a, a road trip article on Bello News that I, you know, I have a kind of a, a monthly uh editorial or not editorial opinion piece that I, I put out, and that'll be on the Barry Roubaix. You know, I was Um, so for anyone interested, they can read that. Uh, I think it drops, um, it's, uh, this Thursday. So that would be October 7th from this recording, but, um, yeah, you know, it's like you said, like I, I felt, I felt the love in a very unique way. Cause it was, it's, it's one of these races where you've always kind of heard little whispers about it, especially out here on the West coast where I am. Um, and it's it has a very grassroots feel and, you know, Matt Acker, the, the, the new organizer behind it, um, by he, he admits, he's like, yeah, we don't really try that hard on the social media when, when a lot of, you know, races do now. Um, and so, so coming from the West coast, you're like, there's this race that doesn't get a ton of press, but it's like, one of the biggest, if not the biggest attended in the right. U S like, what is it here? There's obviously something happening here. 
Um, and so I just wanted to see what it was all about. And it was pretty unique and it was pretty cool because, you know, as a, out of, um, an out of towner, it was kind of funny, you know, everyone would, when you would say, Oh, I'm from Northern California, they'd be like, what? Like <laughs> it was kind of, people were surprised if you're from out of the area, but that said, it's, you know, 4,000 people out there partying. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun and you could kind of tell it was like this annual celebration and i think there's probably a bunch of you probably yourself that's kind of hardcore you you do, do berry often how many berry roubaix have you done actually um i'm kind of new to it um i've only this has only been my third okay. so um i mean only i, I the bet third. there's people yeah. out there that's yeah that's been that's done all of them but um but yeah, yeah I've so done, i've done three i now. mean correct me if i'm wrong but it almost feels like for a lot of Michiganders, like not necessarily the hardcore gravel folk, but just people in that, that lakes area. It's like, uh, even if they're only going to do one bike event per mm -hmm. year, it's that one. Exactly. Like, it's like, that's what they sign up for, you know? And cause Matt told me the, the 38 miles actually their most, uh, well attended event, even okay. if like the 62 miles, the most, uh, like uh, professional or something, sure. but, yeah. um, the 38 is where the most, the masses are. So it's, that's to me, that says like, yeah, it's, you know, the people who aren't necessarily cyclists, but they're like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this event. It's a fun time. It's a good party. It's a great weekend. So, um, I think it lived up to it. Very cool. I, I saw that before the, the, the weekend itself that you were putting out a few messages about, you know, what tires do <laughs> I run? What, uh, and, yeah. um, and I think we were talking after the race that, uh, you got a pretty good response from a lot of the local Michiganders helping you out there. Oh yeah. Um, it's kind of funny how many like pictures I received <laughs> through Instagram and stuff. Um, cool. You know, it wasn't just like a little poll that I put up there, but it was, you know, folks that actually took the time to like send me their, uh, their photos and, and their input, which was pretty unique. You know, that was, that was pretty cool. So, uh, it helped, you know, <laughs> did you, yeah. um, what did you end up running, uh, tire wise? I ended up running these 38s with a big old slick center tread down the middle. So they oh. still roll pretty fast. Sure. Um, that said, I was probably overtired for okay. the racers in the front. Um, I think that is a great setup for riding it. But uh, most of those guys in that front selection with myself were on 34s and something a lot narrower. Um, and because it really is like, you know, in the front, the speed that we hit certain things at it, it's it's just a little bit different. Um, you know, and we don't have to deal with, for example, Sager road when it's all like treaded out and there's just like, everyone's messed up lines everywhere. Like we just hit it full speed and it was cleaner. Um, mm -hmm. and you really just need kind of like a high short amount of power to like push through that sand. Um, so that was, um, honestly, I was overtired. You know, if I were going to come back and try to win that 62 miler, um, Again, conditions depending, but um, sure. I would actually size down, but I don't think I was actually necessarily the wrong call. And I think it was a very good tire for a stupidly fun day out there. Yeah. So yeah. it's just the rest of that course is so fast and so hard. It's like almost riding on pavement. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now the hundred mile is a totally different story. And my brother and I yeah. kind of 
long-windedly uh, recap it. Um, it'll be on this episode as well. But um, the, oh, cool. the, the name of the game is Sand on that one. And um, yeah, it, uh, I was running 40s, and I feel like I could have even upped a little bit because of wow. how much sand there was. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that Connor, the guy that won the 100, he was on 650 mm-hmm. uh, wheels, and I'm not oh my sure how big of this tires but anyways yeah it's you all had some like water crossings and stuff right there were a couple like pretty decent puddles that you i rode through them but some people kind of had to run through them um my brother crashed into the water so (laughs) it uh but yeah but it wasn't too bad (laughs) um but uh but yeah it's just it's funny how each of the um different offerings in terms of uh distances have totally different experiences for sure now you said post race and you know i want to do that hundred, that's what oh, i was sorry, gonna go get to, no that's what i was gonna get to you i thought oh. that when um we talked post race that you said that you were interested in doing the hundred yes um <laughs> you know the uh that just seems like the adventure you know it kind of almost it's run a little bit like the uh like the old school style gravel races with a little bit of self-navigation to it a little just a bit more of an adventure um and you know and and for all intents and purposes you know the the 62 mile race it it felt like a criterion to me because you know most of my gravel races these days are 100 to 200 miles um you know to, to try to be competitive in the majority of gravel races i'm very much a diesel and so this, this felt like a crit. I mean, this was high speed attacking and I was, uh, I was definitely on the back foot for some of these guys. Um, and, and the hundred, first of all, I think it suits me more, but second of all, um, I want a little bit more of that adventure to really experience. I feel like a complete picture of what Michigan gravel can look like. Sure. I mean, I understand that sand is your, your base there instead of like red clay, for example, in mid South or, you know, Sierra granite in, you know, California. So I feel like, you know, being the lakes area up there, sand is kind of your base. And I want to kind of experience that entire spectrum. And I feel like the hundred would be the race to do that. Um, I think it'd be pretty cool if, if myself and a few of my contemporaries came up to, to throw down at that one. Cause you know, for, for myself, the hundred's actually like a much more appetizing distance, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's interesting that the 62 is tradition, like the traditional distance, the traditional like yeah. racy distance. The 100 has only been around for a few years now, and it tends to be, it tended to be, um, I don't, it was always competitive, but you had less competitors. Mm-hmm. And now like each year it's looking more and more competitive. And I feel like even yeah. next March, because- well, cause- you know, the Barry Roubaix, or sorry, the 62, that's kind of run like a, and it's even marketed as a, a, a dirt road race, right? right. A gravel yeah. road race. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and that makes sense for what it's been for whatever they, you guys have had, like 13, 14 years or something now. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, that was kind of like before gravel racing was kind of a, a, a new discipline, you know, it's 62 miles is a very healthy road race distance. Um, and, and that is a good distance to give a lot of people a shot with the, you know, teams working together and attacks and sprints and all that. Um, 
in terms of gravel grinding and kind of like what I'm personally like loving the hundred miles, what I want to do that, that bigger adventure. Sure. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at mentally. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, the trend of gravel is, uh, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm cool with like super long, like it keep, everything seems to be getting longer and longer and longer. I I don't quite understand that, but, um, but like, but it is the trend to be like hundred to 200, like in that kind of sweet spot, it seems to be like where, um, things are heading and kind of speaking of where things are heading. Um, I, I do want to ask you cause it's, you know, it's super cool to have people like you or Eddie, um, coming uh-huh. and Alexi, um, riding these. And even though Barry's a, one of the biggest gravel races, it's still, like you said, still feels grassroots to us. And it's great yeah. to have people like you there. Um, how important do you think as now a gravel pro, I'm not sure if you love that term or not. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, we don't have to get to that, <laughs> but, um, how important is it for you? Like to, be a part of those kind of grassroots races. Um, I, I, well, I mean, that's, that's why I came to gravel. Like everybody else was, I was enjoying these. I mean, even unbound, it, it seems professional from where it came from, but it's still very much like this altogether community oriented event. And, and at overall still a, a somewhat grassroots vibe. Barry Roubaix is a very strong grassroots vibe and they've done a great job of keeping it that way despite their, their numbers. However, um, you know, so I, this is like comfort food to me, you know, coming back from the world tour and the, the team buses and the, the team managers and, and that whole game, right? Like this was like, kind of like coming back to my roots a little bit. And this is why I'm enjoying it so much. Um, and despite what you may be led to believe online, like I am not just trying to like uh, sandbag races to, to crush souls and win every bike race. Like <laughs> I like competing. We got a number on our bike and you have to go stupidly hard to win a bike race. And that's kind of the point. But um, at the same time, like I'm there to, to hang out with the masses and celebrate the bike and party. So that's, that's why I was there. And that's what kind of, I was really excited to see kind of happening at Barry Roubaix. And then, you know, I heard about Founders Beer and I was like, okay, yeah, that has to happen. So (laughs) for anyone that calls me that serious, I'll have them know that I had three IPAs and then a small sampler of the KBS. So (laughs) I was four deep by the time we were talking (laughs) at like 2 p.m. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And that's perfect. Well, very cool. Um, (laughs) Do you... Would you, I mean, would you come back? I mean, you talk about doing the hundred. I mean, would you, uh, put that on your calendar for yeah. the future? I know like, it seems like I, the, the gravel calendar is so tight now. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, the gravel calendar is, it is, I'm trying to figure that all out as we speak, you know, over the next month, um, and see kind of where everything lays in it. Cause it's not just about hitting the events that are the biggest per se. It's also about hitting the ones that like this one for me this year was just like the desire to feel it and experience it and go somewhere new. I also have to focus on staying close to home family, you know, and and you also have to build the calendar. So you kind of regionally can tap it in. You know, I I don't want to go to Vermont, come home for a week, go to 
Michigan come home for a week, yeah. right? Like I would love to wrap like an East Coast block, uh, Colorado Mountain States block in August, for example. Um, you know, so I'm trying to kind of put the whole pieces of the puzzle together. Um, with Barry Roubaix running back into March, I think there is a decent chance. Um, I can't give a yes or no, but it's definitely on my bucket list to do that hundred. Um, yeah. We'll see if it makes sense to, it might make sense to get a good hundred or in kind of early before like the, the unbounds and all that kick off too. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of need an excuse to go thrash yourself for a hundred miles in March. So I was trying to um, look at the, I guess it's trying to look at the calendar. What I feel like it might be a back-to-back -back weekend with, um, with mid South. I'm not sure. Uh, mid South's got to be pretty darn it's, close. It's, there's a week between, okay, which okay. actually makes it very complicated because I would have to go back go to the Midwest yeah. or go to the Mid South, yeah. not the Midwest, fly home for a week and then come back up okay. to here. So we will okay. see. Um, so the Mid South is going to be March 11th ish, and then okay. there's going to be that like March 20th off, and then you guys are going to be March 26, 27 okay. Okay. weekend. Um, I don't think there's any other big races conflicting with that date. Um, and it'll be interesting because also to see, I mean, it's going to be totally different. It's going to go back to what you guys know as a springtime race mm -hmm. and dealing with frost and, you know, snow and frozen ice puddles. And cause I saw all the pictures and, and it's all barren trees. And then this year it was like dense foliage. And I thought it was super cool. I honestly, I kind of told him, I was like, you guys should keep it in the fall when the weather's <laughs> really nice and, and there's dark forests and, and shade. And, yeah. um, and they're like, no, nah, no, we're, we're a hardcore spring. Michiganders <laughs> are hard. And I don't <laughs> So yeah, uh, I guess it would feel like a totally different race. So, um, yeah, I can't, can't a hundred percent commit to 22 yet, but there will be a very 100 mile in, in my future. That's something I could, I can say. Very cool. And yeah, I wasn't trying to look for like a, a for sure, like coming yeah. back next year, but I, oh, yeah. I just was wondering like <laughs> with your experience, is it something that like, if, if the time worked out, you would definitely come back to in the future? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, this yeah. would be a repeat trip. And this is also something that, you know, I would like to bring my wife to, cause she is not a cyclist. She's done a century. She rides once a month with a friend kind of thing. She's very much a casual. And so I told, and she's, you know, she's done a big event in the past here and there, or, or like a semi big, like a local Fondo type thing. And she's like kind of towards the back. Cause she doesn't really, she's athletic, but she doesn't really practice that much. And, and it's like, she kind of ends up riding alone. And I was like, Diana, my wife's name is Diana. I was like, this would actually be like the 36 mile would be your perfect event because it's not too technical. It's, it's a, and there's tons of people of all speeds. So you'd be right in the thick of things. And it would be in a distance that you could totally chomp off yourself. I could do the hundred, get it like a hard race out of it. We'd finish within, you know, an hour or two of each other. Right. Um, so it would actually be like a really good excuse to, you know, kind of do more of like a, a, a wholesome family trip together. Um, so that's, that's kind of where my mind's going at the moment. Um, you know, and then the other point you brought up is just the gravel calendar. And it is, it's impossible not to conflict within an event right now. It's just, there's so many and there's so many cool ones and you kind of want to experience them all, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a better review of the Barry Roubaix is to say, you know, it's got something for everyone. And if you yeah. want to go out and, and pin it the whole day, great. 
if you want to go out and it's the only race you do for the entire year, great yeah. because you're going to have an incredible experience either way. And super, y- y'all are very proud of your event, which was really cool to see too. I mean, there was a lot of local pride in this thing, um, which was really cool to kind of step into and and feel that. And um, yeah, you you guys were great hosts. Thank you. And um, a lot of people have done a lot of work for it and it wasn't me at all. So I can't take credit for it, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. yeah, for sure. So um, I, um, I'm excited that you got to experience it and I appreciate you uh, like sharing your experience with, with all of us. Yeah, no, thank you for reaching out to do this little recap um, and saying hi at the, the post-race party. I mean, and you know, to anyone listening that did the same, I mean, the amount of folks that came up and were just excited to see me and, and thanked me for like traveling to view their local race was, it was humbling. It was, it was really cool. And I definitely, um, it was, it was a very special weekend for me. So, um, yeah, thanks again. Yeah. Thanks Pete. So we did a little bit of a uh, course preview of our own. Yep. Um, You intentionally did not want to know much about the course. You thought it'd be fun if we did, um, if we talked about some of the elements um, on mic. So we kind of waited. You came to Michigan with a general idea of what... Uh, you were getting into, but right. but basically there were a lot of things that you had no idea, a lot of question marks about how the day would go. Um, and then we sat down maybe a little too late Friday evening before the race and um, discussed those. Should we just play that part right now? Yeah, I think that sounds good. Well, I think actually before we get to that, um, I think I want to, we should listen to it and then we'll circle back and see... Um, what areas that I was totally incorrect about um, after you have experienced experienced it now. And, um, and then I want to just address, uh, man, especially as we were riding yesterday, I was just thinking about something I said towards the end about maybe some tactics that you and I had or thought, like I thought we could maybe uh, utilize some tactics. And I don't know, maybe we'll get into that later, but I just thought, I, I might I might come across as a little arrogant, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, I think that criticism is is right. Um, but uh, anyways, I just there is there is interesting if, to hear about the course before we experienced it, and then the just the sheer arrogance that I had about maybe a, a part of the course. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's let's listen to it, and then we'll get right back. Sounds to good. It. Um, it's late, Brady. It's late. It's a little later than we had planned to do this. Well, it's, it's early if we are going to the football game tomorrow. Correct. And that's not what we're doing. Oh, okay. We will be tailgating post event. Nice. Um, so yeah, so, uh, you intentionally didn't want to ask me too many questions because you thought it'd be fun if you uh, 
heard about the course and the event more um, on microphone. That's right. I want to interview you, and then we will recap afterwards and see how well you do. How well? Okay. How well you answer my questions. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we are both riding the Psycho Killer tomorrow, the 100-mile Psycho Killer. and um, Which, to be fair, seems a little crazy to me that the 100-miler is the crazy one. And it's not... Normally, the crazy one is, you know, 350 miles, and the normal one's 140 or something. I, I think that um, is a statement or a... Uh, a crit- not a critique, but basically says a lot about how how gravel events are progressing in the last couple of years. Since Barry's, I think, is one of the original gravel events, um, you know, they weren't 300 miles back in the day. <laughs> right, that's fair. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I don't think I would be driving 10 hours for a 62-mile Fair event, enough. Right? Fair enough. Um, Which, so. the, this, you know, every, I think every course has something cool in it and the, and the 62 definitely does but uh but the 100 i think it's where it's at and it's growing in popularity it, this is only like the third i think this is the third year maybe the fourth year um and it's definitely growing in popularity so yeah for um sure. but, but yeah I, but, so, I, but i do like that they have multiple distances so anybody can do it so you you know the basics of what you're getting into here's what i know I know it is about 100 miles. I know Check. that uh, there is something called Sager Road. Okay. Um, that is difficult. Okay. Only from their emails. Um, I don't know elevation. I don't know kind of the mix of gravel versus road. Um, I don't know... We talked about how many people we think are going to be doing the 100-miler and really kind of like what kind of terrain we're riding on. So I guess I would start by asking this is called Barry Roubaix. It is namesaked by Perry Roubaix. So is it similar in that it is a lot of road with gravel sectors or would this be more pure gravel i would call this a pure gravel race there is definitely some road sections but those are fewer than the it's majority gravel okay um i think that the it's just necessary that you need some some paved connectors to get from cool section to cool section so kind of in the way that perry rupe has cobble sectors Maybe maybe Bear Bay has paved sectors. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. But yep. um, but it's it's not. I mean, I would say it's probably eighty twenty. Um, oh, okay. I, I'm not. I that I'm not quite positive on. I mean, I've I've done I've done the course a couple times, but uh, it has plenty of gravel and it feels like a pure gravel race. Sure. Uh, the last race we did together was ninety seven miles with ninety seven hundred feet of climbing. What's the elevation for this? I think it's like six five. Okay. Um, I think that sounds right. Six, six, five. So still a lot of climbing. It is a lot of climbing, and it comes in punchy climbs. Sure. Um, we, we, you know, down in uh, mid Michigan, we're not gonna get, or Western Michigan, we're not gonna get a lot of like 
sustained climbs. Right. Um, but it's also not like uh, when we rode around Pittsburgh area where it was like really punchy climbs and steep and got it. Okay. These are these are shorter, but there's plenty of them and um, and they add up and your legs will feel it at the end for yeah, sure. For sure. Um, one other thing I do know is that you get a mug if you go sub six and a half. Yeah. Uh, and you have one of those mugs. I do. So I am assuming that our goal is to also go sub six and a half hours. Definitely. Okay. I, uh, I mean, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, the course I rode to get that mug in 2019 is completely different than this course that we're uh-huh. going to ride tomorrow. Okay. Um, I think that this course is going to be much more difficult for us and a lot of people to get under that six and a half uh, okay. hour okay. Um, mark. Um, how be, there's so many more uh, seasonal roads and difficult, like two track kind of spots that um it's going to prove difficult for a lot of people got it and maybe you have other things you want to tell me i guess the only last thing that i want to know about is how you think this is going to play out tomorrow so are we shooting to be in the front group how many people do you think are going to be in the front group how racy is it going to feel um am i should i be preparing I mean, we are doing this way too late, but should I, should I be mentally preparing for the next seven hours <laughs> before race time um, to following attacks and, you know, rotating pace lines? Yeah. Or, or what's this going to be like? Do you yeah. Think? So I'm going to, this is going to be a long answer. But so you have to give six answers and then we'll just cut and only use the one that's right. <laughs> So the um, the course is set up, I think, in three different parts. Okay. You have like a 35-ish mile lead-in where it is your basic gravel, not too challenging. You're going to run into, you know, like some washboard and some stuff, but nothing that's crazy out there super challenging. Okay. Um, so that's, that's the first part. Then you're going to hit the next 35 miles, which... It's a kind of a mixture of regular gravel roads, seasonal roads, and um, a little bit of pavement. But the seasonal roads in that section of 35 miles is tough. Okay. You're gonna, we're going to hit a lot of sand. We're going to be off our bike um, and uh, hopefully finding good lines and not having to be off our bike too much. But there are a few roads that are uh, really difficult, um, and especially um, coming off of... The summer and it's been dry. We did get a little bit of rain recently, but not close enough. So it's it's going to be dry. It's going to be sandy, and we have some like sandy descents that can be super sketchy. Um, so, and then and then the third part is uh, we dump onto the traditional uh, berry course that the sixty two and the thirty and the mm. and the um, eighteen. Uh, I don't maybe not the eighteen, but. Um, a lot of the the other riders will be riding, and we hit some some pretty uh, like some landmarks like the wall, which is like a, a great climb, and that end of the sixty two, which we will be our last like thirty some miles, 
it's it's hilly it doesn't stop and after we have ridden that that second section of sand and seasonal roads that last 30 some miles hurts really hurts so that being said i think this is going to be a very competitive 100 miles for us that first 35 miles it's imperative that we stay at the front um, and I think people, I'm not sure, my guess is yes, people are going to try to break away like pretty early, um, whether or not we go with them. I, I, I feel like I want to stay in the front group, but I'm not sure I want to f- follow attacks, yep. it, but it depends if five people go, then I probably want to be in that group. Sure. Um, I can think of a couple people that are going to try to attack on their own. Yep. Um, and, uh, and so, that's probably not a bad, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea if to get into that second 35 miles alone with a little bit of a, a time, a gap, then yep. I, I feel like that might be a smart thing. Um, so more than five, we got to be with it less than five. Sure. We'll let it go. But I, I think, I think it's going to be a big group. Yeah. And uh, there are some punchy climbs and stuff, but it's going to be hard for that group to really separate unless some people really try. Right. So um, I I feel like it's going to be a pretty large group going into that second 35-mile section mm-hmm. where it gets gnarly. Um, Is the second 35-mile section Sager Road? So there are sections that are Sager Road-ish, um, sandy, two-track, seasonal... Um, we, we kind of, we hit a few pretty gnarly roads then we come out of those and hit some pavement and then we go back in and we're kind of close to, uh, towards the end of it, we're close to Yankee Springs, Mm. um, which you, you're familiar with. We've camped over there not too long ago. So we rode some of those kind of sandy back roads before. Um, so the hundred mile hits Sager road, but they hit a different section than, everyone else oh interesting um and uh, I, I believe it's they call it sager canyon and it's just even more washed out <laughs> and sandy and pretty pretty gnarly but that is actually once we get there we're close to being finished with all the um with all the sand gotcha so that's a that, that'll be a good landmark once we get to that sager canyon um and you i feel like you'll know it when you see it <laughs> um so my th- Thinking is, uh, I don't know how people are going to stick together during that second 35. I don't right. know. I mean, I, I feel like a few will. Um, and then through some of the sand and stuff, there'll be a lot of separation. And then once we get to regular roads, they'll come back together. I'm not sure. It's going to be, it's going to be tough to, um, to stay with people. So I, I think that's a big question mark for me. Sure. Coming out of that, I, it's a big question mark. I'm not sure like where people will be, where I will be, where you will be. Who knows? Um, there are some water crossings there that I, I didn't ride through a couple weeks ago. Um, they're water crossings. They're puddles. They're basically just puddles that, Mm -hmm. um, seem pretty deep though. Um, it might, be uh get off your bike and run through it i i feel like that's what's gonna happen right um there's not a lot of room on the side to 
to to run on the, like the edge. Yeah. Um, so we might get a little wet, but, but yeah. Um, then the, uh, say we're in a group at the end and hopefully we can be in a, in a decent sized group. Cause I think that's going to be really important. Um, I don't want to be alone for those last 35 miles for sure. So I'm going to try hard. I think you should try hard to like stick with a few people at least. So we get out of that sand pit mm-hmm. <laughs> and into the rest of the, uh, the, the final part of, of, of Barry. Fun. Um, now, I, I, I hesitate to even say this, and I don't know where we will be. Um, if we will be together, if uh, we will be in any sort of front group, or if we will be just hanging on for dear life, I don't know what's going to happen. Um but let's just hypothetically say we are in a front group and we're together. Yep. There are a set of two rollers with five miles to go. We're still on gravel. Okay. We have this nice like little roller and they both kind of veer to the right and they come boom, boom. I think that is a place if someone wanted to attack, Let's, let me just put it that way. If someone wanted to attack, that would be a great place. I, but even better, if two people wanted to attack, mm. that's where it is. Two people who maybe aren't wearing the same team kit, who nobody knows are brothers. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> this is why, this is why um, we're having this conversation <laughs> exactly. and putting it out after the, after the race. So here's my thinking, though. They, they come right after one another and i think the first hill you do like a half you just do a make a have a little bit of a gap yep and and i think people at that point will just be kind of like slowly doing hills they're not going to be attacking hills at that point i don't think and then you come off of that hill with a little bit of a gap no one thinks you're going to try to break away and then when you get to that second hill um, you pin it. You just attack that hill yep. to get a, su- a great gap coming off that hill. Then the majority of the climbs are done. So you have five miles of really kind of flat. Um, there's a couple things, but nothing that is that is bad. So if, if hypothetically you were two people that had a decent gap after that hill and hypothetically... If there was a south wind at your back, which there is, <laughs> um, I think two people would have a pretty good uh, chance to stay away at that point. Um, it would be hard, and depending on what kind of group you're in, I mean, if it's, but my guess is, is at that point, they're gonna, going to be enough, there's going to be enough separation that there'll be some people in the front without like without a big group just kind of going for it solo right um but if you're running if you're going for podium or you're going for top 10 or something i think it might be worth worth a shot there um so who knows um who knows how anyone might feel at that point you're 100 miles in 
five miles is a long way to stay away. Yep. But there, another thing is you start riding through all of these other people finishing Barry or about to finish the different distances, and it's just a it's it's kind of a, a motivation and and you're you're pumped and yeah sure so it's it's kind of a cool finish you you dump out like right i forget how much you might have a mile of pavement going into the finish okay and there's a little bit of hill as, as you a little bit of a hill as you going to hastings straight shot and then hard left and then the um the finish is like 50 yards so it's a, it's, it, if we're in a group at that point, it's, it's going to be, we're going to come in hot first, first through the corner. Yeah. First through the corner, I think is pretty important. Yep. Got it. And then, um, but basically first through the corner to finish sooner to get to the beer. That's right. As quick as you possibly can. That's the whole goal, right? Yeah. That's why we do this. Yeah. Um, so which is why we attack with five miles to go. In case they're running out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, no, we, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, hypothetically, if two people wanted to, that sounds pretty arrogant to even like talk (laughs) about that. This is the great thing though. Like this doesn't have to be in the podcast. That's right. We could delete all of this. That's Um, like I said, well, we're going to do five more hypothetical runs of this. Yeah. And pick the right one. No, that sounds exciting. I Um, love it. And I mean, honestly, I think that, I, however the race plays out, it's going to be a blast. Um, my, my goal I think is just to have a solid race to get a, a mug again. And, uh, and hopefully, um, you and I can ride together the whole time and it'll be a blast. I love it. I'm so excited. So now, Brady, um, thinking about the conversation we had before the race, and now that we've had a few hours to um, process, how do you think, how well did I prepare you for the race? Yeah, I think... Give me a, like a grade. I just want like a, you know, out of 10. How, how well did I prepare you in my I, descriptions? I, I think I would say... A 10. Like, you knocked it out of the park. Heck yeah. It's just that I didn't... I wasn't able to appreciate the sand and what that section was going to be like. I think what I imagined... I, I The elevation caught me off guard. And so even though you told me what the elevation was and you told me it was going to be sandy, I didn't really appreciate that those were going to be together. Mm. I just thought we'd be riding through, like, two-track sandy areas that were flat... But instead, it was up and down and like really gnarly, sketchy stuff that took a lot of concentration and a lot of, you know, washing out your front wheel and kind of half crashing and getting up and walking or running or trying to get up a sandy climb and your back wheel spinning out and just really, really struggling with that. So you told me all those things, but I don't think that I imagined it was as bad as you were telling me. And so in my head, it wasn't as bad as, as you were saying, but it was pretty much what you were saying. And the amount of power required to get through not just the sand, but those sandy, punchy climbs is 
insane. And um, I think that was where a lot of people made their move and um, a lot of people lost, like me, lost groups because of just the sheer amount of power it takes to get up the... And like you said, it's not just sand. It's sand plus elevation, sand plus um, really difficult other parts, you know, and, and that combined with the sand makes, you know, that middle section we were talking about, uh, extra difficult. Definitely. Yep. <clears throat> but the way you broke down 35 mile segments, uh, was spot on. And I couldn't believe how right on you were with those and how well that helped me plan for the day. Um, that was great. And I was so glad when we got to mile 70 <laughs> and I knew that most of the sand was done. Yeah. After Sager Road, then you're, then you're out of the sand, but not necessarily out of the difficulty. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the quote unquote normal gravel roads and all the washboard Oof, and it was, it was, it was brutal. It was, uh, like extra washboardy and washed out just a regular gravel roads this time. I don't, I don't remember them always being so washboardy, but yeah, um, it was tough. So do you let, you want to like kind of break down the day a little bit and how from the start, how, how everything went down. Um, weirdly, uh, how your day went was exactly how my day went. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it was just like brotherly competition to make sure that we are, you know, we're not like, I couldn't let you get too far ahead of me because I wanted to be with you. But I, I honestly don't, we talked about this before. We wanted to ride our own race and we gave each other permission to ride each other's own race. And, you know, if you get dropped or if I get dropped, don't worry about me and, and vice versa. But we ended up coming out of a lot of those sections just together. And um, there were some sections in that sandy climby section that um you cleared better than i did and then there were some that i cleared better than you did but either way we came out of it together and we were always kind of in a group of five or six people but before that so we start 7 a.m a lot of people and a lot of people at the uh, starting line it was kind of exciting i thought um yep. it's been a long time since there's been a a bear roubaix and i think michigan has been missing it for sure and a lot of other you know so we get there it's dark and Acker's kind of giving us the the directions beforehand and I, I I was pretty excited how'd you feel right 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 at the beginning yeah definitely I mean it was nice compared to BWR to you know see the front of the the group and not be 1500 people back um but yeah it was really exciting and you know as always we time those things wrong so I got to the start line three minutes before we started. And so it was kind of frantic, going, going, going. Yeah, I wasn't sure where you were. I was, I think I made my way up there a few minutes before you yep. and found a good spot. And then I'm like, I don't know where Birdie is. I don't, I, and, and then it's like everyone's front light is shining directly in your eyes sure. yeah. as I'm looking back, trying to see who's back there. And it's just, you know, it's, it's not often that you get ready for a six hour day in the dark trying to find, you know, that last thing, like where's my other glove and 
those things take three more minutes than you want. And then all of a sudden you look down and you go, oh God, it's 6.45 and I still have to get <laughs> to the start line. Okay, here we go. Um, but yeah, it was very exciting to see all the riders. And I think we'll hit on this a couple times, but you know, Matt said at the beginning, it's been two and a half years since the last Barry Roubaix. And a lot's changed in gravel in two and a half years. And so to see the sheer number of people out for this race was, was pretty awesome. Definitely. Um, yeah, a lot of, I think there's a hundred more riders than the, the previous psycho killer two and a half years ago. And I think those longer distances are getting more popular and, but I think more and more people are finding gravel and wanting to race gravel and the amount of fast competition there was at, in that, on that starting line was, um, was pretty great. Yep. Um, there was like a neutral rollout and, um, probably like a mile or so before we hit gravel. But, uh, for that first 35 miles, I think I may have even said this when we were talking about the course the other night. Um, not a lot, not a lot of, uh, um, separation, right? Right. We were kind of like sardines for the first 35 miles and, um, I kind of knew it, but I, I was stressed (laughs) just cause you're, you're handlebar to handlebar with a lot of other people. Yep. And a lot of people you don't know, it's like you said, it was dark for the first 40 minutes. Um, and it was hard to move around. And so you'd hit a gravel section and you're just, well, this is the line I'm taking and this is not where I'd want to be, but I can't really move. So I'm just going to have to go through it. And, you know, as you were talking about before, just like how us managing to finish together and ride the whole day together. Yes. Like we, our fitness is like relatively the same, but the fact that neither of us had a mechanical, yeah, neither of us got caught up in a crash. I mean, there were crashes at the beginning. There are plenty. And we kept out of those. Um, so it, it's, a, it's really amazing that we've done it again, basically. We stayed pretty well up front that whole 35 miles, although there were several times where you and I chatted um, at the beginning there that, I, I wasn't comfortable with our position. I, I feel like we were 50th wheel yep. and we needed to be 20th wheel. Yep, for sure. And um, I think there were a couple times where we both kind of made some moves to get further up. And 20th wheel felt more comfortable, less yo yo y, um, less chaotic. Um, so when we got up towards around 20th wheel, I felt like that was much more of a manageable place to be. And even though, like, behind us, I'm sure there were 100 riders. I mean, we stayed very close together for that first 35 miles. Definitely. And you, you know, I think you thought there was going to be separation before the first big section, 35 miles in. um, I was was afraid there might be. Right. And I didn't want to be 50th wheel when someone made an attack. Sure. on a hill yep. that we couldn't close or got stuck behind people that didn't want to close it. Right. Um, because I wanted to be in whatever front group there was when we hit the sand. Yep, for sure. And that was, 
you know, kind of kudos to the whole group. I mean, we averaged 21 miles an hour for the first 35 miles with at least 75 to 100 people just rolling along. Um, <clears throat> and it wasn't until that first sandy section. But you feeling nervous and kind of making us move up got us ready because we went into the first Sandy section, I don't know, 20th wheel. I mean, yeah. we were up there for sure. Yeah. And if we weren't, if we were 50th wheel, this would be a whole different podcast for sure. Yeah. And I don't think we realized that. I didn't necessarily realize how important it was to be up front. Um, well, I, I did realize, but in a different way. Like my, my goal was to come into that Sandy section as close to up front as possible. So there's a pretty decent climb right before it. I, um, I'm wondering now if I maybe gave that climb a little too much to stay up front because coming off that climb, I was a little cooked and then we come down a hill and suddenly we turn left and we're on, um, I forget what road it is, but that first Sandy segment. And I don't think I had a recover. My heart rate was still pretty high from that hill. Maybe that was a mistake of mine, but I, I think I came in 10th wheel. I was, I was up there and then those dudes just put the hammer down. And I, I, I don't think there's anything I could have done differently. Um, I felt like I had a good line. I didn't hit bad sand. Um, I just think they were super strong at that point, and I couldn't hang. And so my whole, the whole time before this, I'm thinking, this is where I have to be up front. This is where I have to stay with these guys. And then we lost them. And then there was like a couple stragglers that we were with um, throughout, but, um, the whole reason I'm saying this is as important as I thought it was to be up front, to stay with the front group. I'm now realizing it's, it's probably, it was really beneficial that we weren't 50th, 60th wheel, because I hear now that there was a lot of carnage coming into that Sandy section. Um, a lot of people stopping, a lot of people crashing like crazy. And I feel like we wouldn't have even cleared that section and been anywhere near a, a second chase group, which we ended up where we ended up. Right. For sure. <clears throat> and we, you know, having a clear line, I got to ride maybe a hundred yards more than people behind us. Yep. And I still had to run, but you know, running with a bike for a hundred extra yards, it takes <laughs> 30 seconds. So, you know, if I could put, 30 seconds into people behind us uh, that made a bunch of the difference, right? Yeah. So it was, it was really good to be up front. So I had an attitude change throughout the second 35 miles. Me too. Was it positive <laughs> or negative? <laughs> it got more negative as we got closer to 70 miles. Um, honestly, like... I hoped to stay with that front group and then it became very obvious I wasn't going to. And I was a little bummed, but then I was like, I got to try to stay with these guys, these guys. And, um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't necessarily expect that I could. I hoped that I could didn't happen. I wasn't that surprised. Um, but then I still like, 
it was the first 35 was so sketchy and um, adrenaline is up and you're like it's competition mode you're in competition mode and then you get to that sand and it's still competition mode you know you're like got to keep up with this guy got to keep up with this guy and then it became very obvious that um, no these are the dudes we're gonna hang with and every time we came out of a sandy section we grouped back together and we hung together and it was like I think that this is our group now. And when I realized that, I kind of was over the competition part of the day. And so maybe like the second half of the sand, um, I ended up just enjoying it. It was, I think I needed that competition switch to switch off. And I was like, this is a, the weather's amazing. These roads are so difficult and crazy, but I just, it's kind of like that you, you know, the classic, you get a flat tire at a gravel race. And so you stop racing. You just enjoy the day. Like I kind of felt like that at that point. Um, I was still riding hard. I didn't want to lose the people that we were with, Yep. but, um, I, I felt a lot less stressed because I didn't have to hold. Cause I knew what that, that front group, they were attacking, attacking, attacking probably at every moment they could. And we weren't, <laughs> No, for I, sure. I don't think we were like the group that we were in, like we weren't trying to drop people. We were just trying to survive and get to the sections that weren't sand and then just come together. Yep. And then hammer a little bit for sure. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's funny because I, I feel like I have kind of the opposite feeling um, in that we had no idea who was in front of us. And I think we got through a couple of the sandy parts and we thought, oh, there's 30 people in front of us, so let's just ride hard and have a good day. And a couple of people like, took off on their own and it was like, no, they can just go do that. I don't have any interest in crushing myself for 33rd place. Right. Um, so then to find out later, we were higher placed. Yeah. Um, I had a little bit of, oh, I think I would have <laughs> raced differently. Um, had I known we were higher placing, but at the same time, I probably would have hurt myself because I pretty much went as hard as I could. And so I was in the right group. I rode as hard as I could. And had I known we were higher placed, I probably would have cracked at some point. So sure. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. I, so I had an attitude change in that second 35 miles. Um, I think it was the last 35 miles where I had another attitude change where I realized too, I'm not sure how many people are in front of us. And there was some talk, there's eight, there's some talk that there was 15, there's some talk. So, but all of a sudden I'm like, well, this could be a top 10. This could be a top 15. And I didn't want a group of 15 guys to catch us. And then all of a sudden I'm 30th place. Right. And so the, uh, the pendulum swing of competition to uh, just in sheer enjoyment swung back to no, let's hammer guys. Let's, let's finish this off strong. Yeah. And, um, it was, it was a hard last 35 miles for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were looking at 
the information earlier, but the first 35 miles, we averaged 21 miles an hour, basically never putting our nose in the wind once, just getting dragged along. The last 35, we averaged 19 miles an hour uh, with more climbing, and it was really three of us trading pulls, so we were doing a lot more work. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that last 35... A, we felt good, we rode strong, and we kind of did it on our own with a, a couple other people For helping sure. us. Um, back to the, the sand and the seasonal roads real quick. There were, we weren't free of like, we didn't clear everything. We had some, some issues. I kind of had a stupid slow uphill sand crash that's like, can't get your feed all your pedals and you just kind of go down stupidly. Um, there were two puddles. Did I warn you about the two puddles? I did. You did. Yep. And I said that we would probably run through them. Yep. And then, um, we were riding with, uh, a guy that I did a recon with a couple weeks ago, Tom Keller. And, uh, he happened to be in our group as well. Yep. And so we're getting towards the puddles and you are ahead of us. I said, uh, and so Tom knew that it's not really rideable. And, um, so I look over to Tom and I say, what's the plan here? (laughs) And he says, I don't know. Let's see what they do in front of us. And, uh, you Brady happened to be the person in front and you rode through the first puddle and cleared it. And then you ride through the second puddle. And then what happened? Well, I, I was second wheel. Somebody else was in front of me. Okay. I can't so remember you just followed... if it was that guy, Adam. Um, it... I th- We picked up Adam. It may have been. No, I think it was Adam. Um, and I followed his line almost exactly. And he cleared both of them. And I hit something halfway through the second puddle that just stopped my bike in its tracks. And I just fully submerged <laughs> entirely in the baptism water. <laughs> uh and you know had i run it i and i stepped on whatever i hit i probably would have broken my ankle so i guess i'm i prefer to get wet than twist my ankle halfway through a bike race um but yeah it that was that was interesting for sure and hit my hand and my hand hurt the rest of the race but and i so did tom ride or did he get off the bike? I think he was off the bike. I think he rode. Did he ride it? Yeah, I think I could just hear. I don't. I thought he didn't ride the second puddle, but maybe he did. But because I wasn't sure if I could get through that second puddle. Yeah. But I knew the line was dead center. Mm-hmm. Um, just having to walk through it a couple weeks ago. Um, and so I... Even though I saw you crash, I, I rode through that second puddle and I cleared it, which I guess some of the some of the uh, front guys, they got off the bike. I don't oh. they they didn't. I, I don't think a lot of them rode through it because I was talking to this dude, Nick DeHaan. I, he was top 10 and he was like, no, we I don't none of us rode through it. I, go, Interesting. Oh. I was like, oh, I just said it. it was <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so there, there were definitely, if you just went a little bit to the right or left, you were, you were in some deep water. Yeah. There was something there for sure. So, I mean, we can talk about the sand all day, 
right? I, I mean, felt like we were in the sand. We all day. felt like we were in the sand all day, and by the the second to the last, I think it was Sega Road, um, that I was over it. I started to lose my nerve a little bit on so many twisty, sandy downhills. Yeah. Where I just kept losing my front wheel. And you rode clean a huge section. And you put so much time on Tom and I. And Tom kept yelling. He's like, God, Trevor's such a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, he's doing great. We're in trouble right now. And we, we got through that section and you had a big gap on us. I bet um, I I bet I had a minute and a half. Yeah, yeah. But the, it, we were just talking about this this morning. Like, I guess at that point in the with the group we had, what am I going to do with that minute and a half? I mean, I'm I don't I didn't want to ride the last section by myself. I didn't think we're too close to people in front of us. Right. So I knew that I had three or four strong riders behind me. Yeah. I thought, you know, I mean, good for me for riding this, but. I want to ride with the people behind me. So I kind of sat up and just waited for everyone to kind of regroup. Right. Um, but it, it helped me realize how much time you can put in if you ride a section of that clean. Yep. And if you are in a group where people are riding it clean and you're trying to stay with them versus people that aren't, that like that is all the difference. Right. Um, choosing your right line and being able to, to negotiate those sections. We hit the first Sandy section and I was caught off guard. You told me it was going to be gnarly. You didn't tell me until a mile before the section. You said, we're going to hit a hill. We're going to make a left. And then people are going to start flying over their bars. (laughs) And that was the first time (laughs) that you had said something like that. And I thought, uh, oh, okay. Huh. Okay. And so I quickly got into the mindset. Um, and the section, the, the second section, I think it was the second section, things definitely broke apart. Much more small groups. Yep. And I think it was like watching the map on the head unit... It said, make a right, and I could see an intersection at the bottom of this little hill, and then all of a sudden I hear you behind me, right turn now, right turn now, and I look, and it's like there's a, you know, a footpath, basically, that made a right 100 feet before the intersection, yeah. and we make a right there, and that was one of the gnarliest sections. It's um, a short, man, I wish I knew all the, the names of these roads, yeah. cause, uh, but that is a, it's a short and kind of infamous now section of the of the course that the first time I rode the course last year definitely blew by that even though you, I had it on my Garmin yeah. uh, the turn and, and some people did uh, blow by it anyways you know right um, right but yeah that's why I was yelling I wish I was I think I was a little bit behind and uh, and I was like shoot we we all have to turn here and I was just like right turn right turn yep. And I still was not in the right mindset for those sections. And so you and I think four other guys put 
20 seconds into me through that section. And I just, I, I was not cleaning anything and having to run and get back on my bike. And like you said, it was a short section. And I remember I got out of that section. We made a right turn and there was a road section. And there were, I could see you and a few other guys ahead of us. And I thought, that's it. If I don't catch them in the next mile, like I'm done and I won't see Trevor again. And I was with two guys and I said, we got to go. And I just put my head down and pedaled and looked back after 10 seconds and they were both not with me. Um, and I caught you guys right before the next section. And sure enough, I don't think we saw anybody behind us the again. rest of the day. Yep. I mean, it was, it was that selective. Um, but then I feel like after those two sections, I got into a better mindset and was able to ride the next few ones much better. I felt like I had a better sense of what we were doing until the end when I was feeling just tired and ready to be done with the sand. Sure. I think we are all, all were kind of ready to be done with the sand in those sections at the end. Um, because, uh, Mentally, they're draining, and physically, they're uh, totally draining as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So sure. I, I want to circle back to a uh, the comment I made earlier, um, both in our um, pre-race conversation, yep. and then I, uh, I made it earlier um, on, on the introduction here, but um, there is that last section of about 10 miles, five, five to 10 miles that I had thought if we were in a group and there was a time and there was time to attack or a time to attack, that would be the time to attack. Yep. I kind of want to talk about that. Um, I was feeling throughout the day how arrogant of a saying that was and whether or not I should cut it out of the podcast or not. <laughs> right. But uh, I thought, oh, why would I even say that? I, I'm not even anywhere near the front group. But then when we got to that point, I was like, we may, this may be top 20, top 15, top 10. Um, this might be probably a smart place to attack right. and try to um, rid ourselves of, of a couple of these people. And... Uh, but then, like, I, it was an interesting part of the day, I thought. It kind of got a little chaotic. Um, you had come up before we got there, and he said, are we doing this? I was like, I don't know. I mean, should we do this? And we kind of talked about it a little bit. You said, what's the, what's the worst that can happen if we try to, to attack a little bit and it doesn't stick? Um, we just rejoined the group. And like, like, let's be honest, the worst thing that can happen is you look like a jerk, right? If you're attacking with five miles out for 40th place, it's like there's just something that doesn't look cool about that um, when you're riding with people. Um, and so I had written it off completely. It was like, this is not happening. We're all riding together. This is fine. Like, what, where, we are where we are. But it was, I don't know, maybe we were 10 miles out. And one of the guys we were with saw, thought we were, like, there was only 
like uh, seven or eight people, seven or eight people ahead yeah. of us. And we thought, no way. Like yeah. there's surely way more people than that. And then 10 miles out, we caught somebody and he said, there's a group of eight and a group of three in front of us. And it was like, oh, so we're racing for 12th. Okay. And then all of a sudden my mindset changed as like, shoot, we've done a lot of work. Some guys have been hanging on. Right. Did they know where we were and are they playing coy? And I don't want to like drag some guys along and then just get out sprinted at the end. I'll feel it's like all my bike racing flashbacks. I was like, I don't want to be that guy. And so I started skipping some poles and told you to start skipping some poles because I didn't know where we were with, with the other guys. Um, and that's when I came up to you and said, let's do it. Like, let's go for it because it is not often that we get to, it, it is not often when you come up with a game plan and then that game plan can come to fruition. And, even though there was only six or seven of us in the group and we weren't sure exactly where we were. I mean, most of the times in these races, right, you're alone. And it's like, well, I would have tried to attack now, but I've been by myself for 30 miles. So we get to the two hills that I had uh, mentioned earlier that right around five miles to go. They actually came a little earlier than I thought, Mm. um, which they still ended up being about five miles to go. But I think I, I I don't know, like maybe my, my Garmin was off or something or, but anyways, we get to those Hills and a moto comes by with the front two of the 62. Um, and they're flying by. So it's a Lexi, and the and the Abus dude, which I I wish I remember that guy's name, um, and they come flying by and flying up that hill, and then I thought, well, there goes our like it kind of was chaotic at that point, um, and uh, and then there's some interesting stuff where we were riding with Tom and he jumps on Alexi's wheel, which um, I got a little angry about in the in the moment, and. Um, started yelling and I probably overreacted a little bit, but, um, but anyway, so he, Tom goes off with that, that with Alexi, the Abus dude, and it's Tom. And, and then Brady, you're like, well, let's, let's just actually do this attack. Like we were going to, and you kind of go off. Um, but we end up catching Tom. And so long story short, that actually like our idea kind of, it kind of, became very chaotic at that moment but we did go through with it and it did do a lot of damage to the group of four or five people that we had yep and it turned into instead of well maybe we were like six i think we may have been six or seven people at that point i think there were seven so we went from seven people to four of us yep you myself tom and um and uh oh gosh what was that guy's name Okay, so we just looked it up. It was um, first off, it was Hugo from Team Abus that rolled by with uh, with Alexi, and then um, yeah, after we went through with the attack, it was myself and you, Tom, and and Donnie, um, who uh, 
I was glad that Donnie actually was able to stick with us because he was one of the only other ones in the group that was putting some of the work in throughout the day. Yep, for sure. And that's why we, I wanted to go for it anyways. Um, it was just unclear to, to who, who was actually still racing and who wasn't. And I wasn't in a good mindset to like get out sprinted by some guys who just kind of hung out on our wheels for, you know, the last 35 miles. Um, so I was happy to, even though Tom instigated instead of us, I was happy to go for it and just put my head down and just drill it and see what kind of separation we could get. And um, there weren't very many more climbs after that, but there were a couple of rises that I think both you and I really hammered. And uh, I was hoping it would just be you and me at the end, but those two dudes stuck with us. And um, the four of us rolled together the last five miles. And we were talking about this before. I wasn't, I'm not sure if it was on uh, when we talked before the race or, or some other time, but that last five miles, is it not such like a motivation booster as you're coming up towards all the other racers, the 36 and the, I, I don't think we saw any 62 just besides Hugo and Alexi, but isn't it pretty great how we all kind of come together and all of a sudden you see like the founder signs and um, you're getting closer and closer to back to Hastings. Yeah. You definitely feel like you are coming into town and you know, there are people and beer and food all waiting for you. Um, and you feel fast <laughs> passing all those people. Um, so that was fun for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, um, always like every single time I've done Barry, it, I, I always see someone in that last stretch, you know, like finishing the 36 or something that I, that I know. And, you know, you give them a big, like, holler or something it's it's a lot of fun um but man uh i was hoping that we could do that last five miles pretty hard and uh evidently we could <laughs> and uh, honestly you could i mean you did most of the work like a true lead out um out there on the front but we hammered um and i think you were looking at some of the numbers uh what, what was it? it was like it was wild right we, we ever just 26.8 miles an hour for the last two and a half miles. <laughs> um, I mean, you averaged over 300 watts, I think. Yeah. Um, it was pretty pretty insane. We were flying. And to have that, again, it's like you, you get that uh, boost of motivation after riding 100 miles. Um, it's cool to be able to, to roll in there pretty fast. Definitely. But, but we did, and you remained on the front uh, seemingly like sacrificing yourself for, uh, I, I was thinking for me. Um, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you always say you're not a sprinter, but I think you, you could have definitely sprinted a little bit towards the end there, but, uh, but you decided to stay up front, which I totally appreciate. And that's kind of your strength. Um, kind of a diesel, just hang in the front and, and push those Watts. Well, and like we had planned, I, I I can't beat many people in a sprint with 50 yards to go. So I was, yes, 
trying to lead you out, but I was also trying to put separation between me, you, and Tom and Donnie. I couldn't do that, though. They were able to hang on, even though I was punching up every climb um, and really pushing it. So, you know, kudos to them for hanging tough and, and being able to sprint. And, you know... I, I I go back and forth whether or not, you know, sometimes you see people sprinting for like 40th place and you're like, what are you doing? But I feel like at this point, we all weren't really sure what the place was. You know, we weren't sure if we were, we were pretty sure we were top 20, but I, I don't think we really thought we were top 10, but there could have been a good chance that we were pretty close to top 10. Um, so I feel like, it was worthwhile to to put in a decent sprint. Yep, absolutely. And Tom came around right before we did that last left turn, and he put a pretty massive attack. I mean, he yeah. put down some some watts, um, made a little gap, and I was able to jump on his wheel and stay with him. And I'm not sure, did anyone go with the two of us? Um, did Don Donnie jump on? Or? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so, so uh Tom was, Tom was now basically leading everyone yeah, right, out, right, right. <laughs> trying trying to get away from us. But um, then it, the the finish was pretty chaotic. Yep. Um, and I think it's always kind of chaotic because you have so many different races finishing, a lot of people finishing, and and it was loud and people were yelling. And Tom went in um, on the inside of the turn, and there were a bunch of people kind of slowly turning, and I went on the outside and was able to uh, um, able to get around pretty well, and um, I ended up winning that sprint, which I felt pretty good about after the whole day, but Tom was right behind me. Yeah. It was pretty close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was kind of chaotic. Unfortunately, there was a pretty bad crash, actually, and um, I don't, I'm not sure if people were yelling at us to stop racing or slow down, but... At that moment, it, you, I mean, you, you're not really hearing anything. You're just trying to finish the definitely finish the race. So, I mean, I, I kind of feel like it was unfortunate that there was uh, so much chaos and, and the crash. But um, I mean, we got through there clean. So, um, but yeah, man. And then we come to find out, uh, it, I I was 12th and Tom was 13th and Donnie was 14th and you were 15th. So yeah. Um, I think it was worth sprinting for, worth trying to break away for. Top 15, I mean, I think that's a, a pretty uh, worthwhile reason to to fight for. Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, we uh, 12th versus 18th, it could have been the difference there. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, a, uh, a tough day. Um, we worked for it, and... Got to the end and was able to enjoy ourselves at the after party. And um, I have to say, I'm I'm pretty. Would I would I have wanted to be with the front group the whole day? Would I have wanted to ended up end up on the podium? I mean, for sure. But I don't think I. There's not much I would have been able to do differently. And I'm really happy with the way you rode and the way I rode and. Um, 12th place I, f- I feel super happy about 15th you know top top 15 I think you know kudos to you Brady um heck of a ride I don't know what I would have done differently I think it's just you know it's interesting because 
it really comes down to those technical sections. And, you know, part of me wonders, would we have gone a little harder in that middle 35 mile section if we knew at that point we were still top 20? I mean, right. I, I thought we, I thought there was 30 people in front of us. Um, and, and then when we were done with that section, would we have gone a little harder? I mean, even after that section was over, a couple people kind of broke away solo. Right, right, yeah. And I just thought, yeah, go ahead. Like, have fun getting 31st place. <laughs> um, but... No, I, I, I understand that. And I think one of my goals is to be on that stage on the podium at Bay Roubaix someday. Sure. And uh, this was close. I mean, it's a top 10 podium, so it was two away. Um, so that's a little bittersweet, a, a tough pill to swallow that it was close. Um, had, yeah, I mean... Had we known we were that close at that point instead of kind of realizing kind of too late in the game that maybe, yeah, I don't know. It's, that's, that's a tough one. But I would venture to guess that the whoever finished ahead of us in that group, I think there was a group of five or six who finished 10 minutes ahead of us. I'd venture to guess that they didn't ride harder than we did the last 35 miles. It's just that they went through the mid 35, 10 minutes faster than us. I would, I would agree with that for sure. I think we could have hung with that group without a doubt for the last 35. If we rode the sand better, (laughs) but here's the thing though. Like, isn't that what the plan was? It's like, I knew, and I told you too, that's like, that is the section where separation's going to happen. That's the section where we have to try to stay with a group because coming out of the sand is then you need to be in a group. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, but then when reality hits, it's like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't ride that, that sandy section as hard. So it is what it is. You know, it's something, it, it gives me a goals, another, another, uh, Another carrot to, to chase after for the, well, for March now, but uh, for the next Bay Roubaix. And um, I, I just, the, the dudes that uh, that were on the podium, um, I know a lot of them, and they're super strong, and they rode one hell of a race. And I I mean, I, I it, it's incredible. And um, I would just love to, to be there with them. Um, and... Uh, afterwards man like what an atmosphere what a what a vibe happening so many people of of different um levels of bike riding from beginners to folks that have ridden every barrier bay um different distances 18 36 6 you know the whole thing and all their friends and family all get together and just celebrate celebrate what is barrier bay celebrate gravel celebrate just um, hanging out, riding bikes, having a great time. Um, that part to me was as good as I could have hoped. And we talk offline often and it was fun to see you kind of in your atmosphere 
with your people kind of in your backyard race um, interacting and meeting new people. It was just like really fun to see the whole of it and meet all of your friends and kind of see it all play out. It was just a blast and just, I think we spent as much time <laughs> drinking beer and talking as we did racing <laughs> pretty close. Uh, yeah, I was positive. <laughs> I think we closed the place down actually. Um, once again, but, uh, yeah, for sure. It was, it was so cool. Um, I saw some, some, uh, I mean, we definitely, we hung out with all the spin crew and um, people from East Lansing and seeing everyone from um, from there. But uh, meeting a bunch of people that uh, a bunch of podcast listeners and that that came up to me, that was that was a blast, too. It was very cool to meet all of you. And um, but yeah, I just I I absolutely love that that part of the the event and it's almost like well I'll, I'll suffer through 100 miles so i can get to the to the beer tent later you know um but it, honestly great day and and it was cool for for me to have you get to experience um you know what i've been talking about for the last few years about you know you need to you need to check this out i was so happy to experience it I got to be honest, I was happy to experience it in October and not mm. March, looking at old race photos of everybody with shoe covers and big bulky gloves, and I thought, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, the day was perfect. It was like, started out at 60 degrees and ended at 75. I mean, it was just perfect the whole day. Like, the weather could not have been better. Uh, I don't look forward to cold racing. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It really was perfect, and it was cool to go through some of those sections. Um, and you know, the leaves aren't quite there yet, but right. they're changing a little bit. It's it definitely feels like fall. Um, and I I also did notice that we were drinking Founders Oktoberfest afterwards, and I was like, this is never going to happen. Again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's definitely the fall vibe about it was I I enjoyed that. Definitely. But, uh, the weird thing is in my mind, the bookends to the Michigan cycling scene is, uh, Barrio Bay in the spring and then Iceman in the fall. And now we have Iceman that's coming up in like three weeks. So it's very, it's an interesting difference here that, um, a lot of this, hopefully we'll see a lot of the same faces up in Traverse city and um, we'll do it all again. It's awesome. Not you, but... I won't be there. No, <laughs> I'm okay. But cool. Anything else about uh, Bear Roubaix before we wrap this thing up? Boy, I don't think so. I think we uh, covered it pretty good. I just, again, like kudos to Matt and Jenny. It was awesome to meet yeah. them. Um, they do a heck of a job. That was quite, quite the event. Um, I don't think I have anything... Any critiques I could have other than make it every October? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but, um, cool, man. Thanks for making the trip out. It was a blast. This will be one for the books. Definitely. The Dirty Jane Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. 
Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast. Email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by myself, Trevor Gibney. And a huge thank you to Pete Stetna and Brady for joining us on this episode. And an even bigger thank you to everyone who helped make Barry Roubaix a smashing success. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack.